welcome everyone to the remastered podcast and uh, the beginning of the uh, soon to be the beginning of the Islamic New Year. And today we are talking about new beginnings. Of course, a new year brings with it new beginnings. But for Muslims, that holds true for more than just this reason. And to talk about the significance and all the significant events um, of the first month of the Islamic calendar, the month of Muharram holds. We are joined today by the esteemed Sheikh Suleiman Hani, Sheikh Suleiman, a Yaqeen Institute research scholar and the director of academic affairs at Al Maghrib Institute. Thank you so much for joining us and thank you so much for talking with us. Uh, we're honored uh, to have you. My name is Ismahan Abdullahi, uh, part of the MASS team. Just to kind of get us started, uh, Sheikh Suleiman, just at the start, let's start from the very beginning. Let's talk about how the Islamic calendar came to be, how it was started in the first place. And can you walk us through the origin story as a background? Jazakum khairan. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa bismillah. Alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless everyone who is listening to this and your loved ones as well. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from amongst those who are constantly recognizing the importance of new beginnings wherever and whenever. Allahumma ameen. The, the context and the background is actually really important. So I appreciate Jazakum khairan that we're starting with this. In fact, the... Uh, the, the months obviously uh, already had their names before the uh, revelation to Prophet Muhammad وسلم, and it was in the year 16 or 17 after the Hijrah during the era of Umar ibn Khattab عن, that there was an adoption of the Hijri calendar as the calendar that would be used by the Muslims moving forward. And it was for a number of reasons. Uh, but the migration of the Prophet Sallallahu uh, Wasallam, which many Muslims are not aware of this, was actually not at the beginning of the month of Muharram, but rather two months after that. It was during Rabi'a al-Awwal. And Umar radiallahu an said, according to one of the historical reports, that the Hijrah, the migration, differentiated between what is right and wrong. So they basically wanted to have that as a, an important, significant date. When they agreed, some of them said, start with Ramadan. And Umar radiallahu an and some of the others uh, said, let's start with Muharram for it is the end of the pilgrimage for people. So they are leaving basically at this time. They agreed on it and it became the uh, context and the background for what we were about to discuss in terms of what is Muharram and why is this so important. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us about the uh, the breaking down of 12 months. This is mentioned in Surah Tunis. And uh, in addition to this, the Arabs, the pagans had sanctity that they perhaps took from Prophet Ibrahim Alayhi time. They used to ascribe themselves to him and they used to have sacred months. These four sacred months, they did not allow any kind of fighting or killing during these times, especially in sacred areas as well. And this was uh, reinforced and reaffirmed by Islam and taken to the next level. And not many people know that Muharram is actually one of the holy months and sacred and with the actual definition of it. Can you walk us through, um, because sometimes folks always assume Ramadan is a holy month, that Ramadan is a blessed month, right? And so can you walk us through a little bit so that we can get a better understanding? So to break it down, Muharram, for those who are maybe learning about this for the first time, Alhamdulillah, it is the first month of the Islamic calendar, calendar and the meaning of the word is literally forbidden. So before Islam, this was a sacred month in which all unlawful acts were uh, forbidden or prohibited, uh, prominently the shedding of blood. Now, 
Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he mentions that there are sacred months, he mentions, فَلَا فِيهِنَّ Do not wrong yourselves during these months. Zulm uh, here, oppression means oppressing yourself by committing a sin, by transgressing the lines of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah forgive us and protect us. Allahumma ameen. So this is why the, the companions understood and they commented on this, uh, including Ibn Abbas radiallahu an. This command applies to all months. You're not supposed to wrong yourself in all months of the year, regardless of whether it's Ramadan or not, or Muharram or not. But then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is what he says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala singled out four months and made them sacred, emphasized their sanctity. And he made sinfulness during these months more severe. And he made righteous deeds and the reward for them greater as well. So when you do something good during Muharram, during these uh, blessed months, it's multiplied. And when you do something evil of a sin, it is also multiplied, perhaps not in the same way as the good deed, but nonetheless, it is multiplied. So this should cause us to be a little more cautious. Qatada rahimahullah, was one of the first generations of scholars who learned from the Sahaba. And he said something really uh, beautiful about this. He said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has chosen what's tra translated as elites or specialties from his creation. And from amongst the angels, for example, he chose messengers like Jibreel alayhi salam. From amongst mankind, he also chose prophets and messengers. From amongst uh, speech, he chose remembrance of him, dhikr. From amongst spaces on earth, he chose the masajid. From amongst the months, he chose Ramadan and the four sacred months. And from amongst the days, he chose Jumu'ah, Friday. And from amongst the nights, he chose Laylatul Qadr. So honor that which has been honored by Allah for the people of understanding and wisdom. Respect and honor the things that are chosen, special, made special by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So while yes, Ramadan is the most sacred of months of the year, as the Sahaba stated, and as Al-Hassan al-Basir stated, the month of Allah Muharram is the most sacred after that. And there are many things that took place during this blessed month. SubhanAllah, that's such a beautiful way of putting it, honoring that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has honored. Uh, to kind of, kind of um, talk a little bit more about how folks can start off the new year on the right foot. Oftentimes we know, especially for the Islamic calendar, you know, here in uh, in the U.S., Muslims don't really celebrate the Islamic New Year with grand displays of fireworks, the all night long parties, or you know anything of that sort, or um, just get-togethers or anything. Um, but what do you think are some of the ways to start off the New Year on the right foot, so folks can recognize that rich history um, and also the significance of this month? Jazakumullah khairan. Uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless our brothers and sisters here in the U.S. and all around the world, especially when uh, when we're a minority and trying our best to do what's right and trying to uh, also preserve what is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One of the things that would help us, perhaps, especially with regards to Muharram, because oftentimes I think we all know when Ramadan comes around, uh, we don't really even need to tell people, you know, start over. It's a new beginning. Everyone, mashallah, does that, alhamdulillah, returning to Allah, trying to do more. Muharram is not usually like that. Uh, but we do want to emphasize this, especially since historically that there's some significance to uh, the month of Allah, Muharram, and what the Sahaba used to do. And even, you know, before that, a lot of times we hear about, uh, you know, as a child, I remember learning about uh, the, the people of the elephant and the attacks uh, or they attempted attacks on the uh, Kaaba. So the army of Abraha, as they uh, came forward to demolish the Kaaba, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, protected it. And also historically, it's important for us, and this will help us inshallah ta'ala, 
as we walk uh, through the actions and the practicalities of what to do, it's important to know that the Qibla, which was initially towards Beit al-Maqdis, uh, towards Al-Quds, was uh, initiated during this month of Muharram, and then approximately 16 or 17, uh, 17 months after this, it was uh, changed to the Kaaba. Also, later on, the Sahaba, they, they experienced so many things during this month. Amongst them was the liberation of Basra at the time of Umar, uh, an, as well as the conquest and liberation of Egypt uh, under the leadership of Al-Amr ibn al-As, an, and uh, the battle, of course, of Karbala, in which uh, Hussein bin Ali, radiallahu an, uh, was martyred. And when we say radiallahu an, all of the companions as well, and all of the family of the Prophet wasallam, this was a really uh, sad moment, uh, of course, for the ummah. And it's not something that starts off the, I guess, significance of the month of Muharram. Muharram was already made important long before that, at the time of the Prophet wasallam. Way before that, we know Musa wasallam was saved. And when we say Musa salam was saved, it's not a small statement because he's the most uh, uh, most referenced prophet in the Quran. We recite the Quran often. We're always coming across the stories of Musa salam more than 130 ayat. And so as, as Muslims following Prophet Muhammad wasallam, we take this very seriously that Musa was saved on that day. And of course, in one report, Nuh uh, was saved and the ark came to rest on the Mount of Judy, according to uh, an authentic report. What can we do? One of the best ways to start uh, start over, to return to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is through specific acts of worship, which we are all familiar with, but some are emphasized during this month. Amongst them is fasting. Fasting during the month of Muharram is one of the greatest things you can do. In fact, it is uh, emphasized to fast during this month. And uh, it's mentioned as well that the Prophet wasallam said, Fasting the day of Arafah, I hope Allah will forgive uh, for all of us, expiate thereby for the ones who fast the year before it and the year after it. And fasting the day of Ashura, which is the 10th Ashura, the 10th of Muharram, I hope Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will expiate through that the year that came before it. The Prophet wasallam said, one of the most important hadith we can emphasize, the best of fasting after Ramadan is in the month of Allah Muharram. So what better way to start over or what better way to initiate a new beginning than to fast in the best month possible after the month of Ramadan? This is why the Sahaba said, and, and imagine their experience seeing him, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu said, I never saw the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam so keen to fast any day and give it priority over any other day than this day, the day of Ashura. And then of course, uh, there's the fasting of uh, the month of Ramadan. Imam al-Qurtubi, he mentioned that the reason some of the uh, pagans used to, uh, some of them used to fast on this day or hold it to be a sacred day was they had taken this from the Sharia and the Sunnah of Prophet Ibrahim salam, and uh, perhaps this was how it was passed down. And it's important for us also to note that as we start over and as we take these steps towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's mustahab, it is uh, rewarding, it is emphasized for us to fast on the 9th and the 10th. And this is what the Prophet intended to do. And he said, if I'm alive next year, if I live to see next year, I'm inshallah going to fast the 9th as well. So it's a sunnah to try to fast the 9th and the 10th. If for some reason someone cannot, the 9th, for example, fast the 10th and the 11th. If you cannot do 9, 10, 11, or 10 and 11, or 9 and 10, at least fast the 10th inshallah ta'ala. And of course, if you are excused for a valid reason, but you had intended to fast, we hope that you're rewarded for it as well. One of the uh, other action items we can take on this day, inshallah ta'ala, 
is to be generous to others as we want Allah to be generous with us. In fact, there is a hadith that some scholars say is da'if. It's not fabricated da'if, but you can act on a weak narration so long as, uh, first of all, it's emphasized, you know that it's weak. And second of all, uh, because it's a virtuous action. And the Prophet ﷺ is reported to have said, the one who generously spends on his family on Ashura, the 10th of Muharram, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be generous towards him or her for the entire year. The hadith has, again, disputes. And some of the Sahaba said, uh, Tabi'een said they practiced this. So Imam Ahmad, rahimahullah, he considered some basis for it. And it goes back to some of the Tabi'een, one of whom, Sufyan, rahimahullah, he said, I practice this, meaning being more generous uh, with my family on the day of Ashura for 50 or 60 years. And I found nothing but good in it. Meaning this is something that is permissible to encourage people to do. You're hoping with a new beginning for some blessing for some change. So you're hoping that inshallah ta'ala, as you want blessings from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you are being more generous with the people around you. During this month, one of the practical action items we can take is to think about the, the state of our hearts and why we're here and where we're headed and how uh, we'll be in what state in terms of our death when we're meeting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when our souls leave our body. I uh, Last year, I'd like to share this uh, analogy I've shared a few times before. Uh, or sorry, the year before, during the pandemic, a lot of people got bored and they tried a lot of different things. A lot of people are just experimenting, a lot of mustad. So uh, pressure washers were selling out. And if anybody here has ever used a pressure washer, you know how satisfying it is, like remove that dirt with a good amount of pressure. So somebody had, I guess, rented one out and asked me to help um, with the family in terms of uh, cleaning the, the sidewalk and the house, which I guess had never been done before. Pressure washing is so satisfying. So I took it and I started off with it. And I said, actually, I want to do all of this. This is really fun. And as I started with it, subhanAllah, you see the amount of dirt coming off. And it's really fascinating because you think with all the rain and all the weather anyway, you'd think that there isn't really dirt, but dirt accumulates so gradually in such a subtle way we don't notice at times. And we only start to notice when we completely clean it off. You know how we, like you clean part of it and you're looking at the, like, the, the clean part and the dirty part? So as I was cleaning through it, of course, one of my first thoughts is how this was so gradual and we didn't notice. And we, you know, my, this is my parents' house and we've been living there and every house looks like it. But once you clean it, it's just, it's a whole nother thing. So I thought, subhanAllah, the state of the heart, how gradual uh, is the process of contaminating the heart and the covering of the heart and the hardening of the heart. And we don't notice at times. We don't notice how hardened our hearts have become until something really strong with a lot of pressure wakes us up. And the problem here is sometimes people are waiting for something severe to wake them up. People are procrastinating subconsciously thinking one day I'll become better. And it's very dangerous to procrastinate as a habit. Generally speaking, it's dangerous to procrastinate because if your heart has become hardened, may Allah protect us all and soften our hearts and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us hafiyah, Allahumma ameen. The act of procrastination, in a way, comes with a subtle belief and a subconscious belief that the future is guaranteed, that I'll have another chance to purify my heart. I'll, I'll have another chance to start over. I'll have another chance to repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala next week, next year, when I reach that age, when I reach that time of my life. When in reality, we all, we all know that's not guaranteed and people depart abruptly from this world and people are are departing abruptly right now. So if you don't want to have a severe wake-up call, because sometimes it is really severe, then you should be the one who 
in a way pressure washes your own heart. And when we say your own heart, of course, by the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this means take action. Turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Think about your life. Think about what you're leaving behind. Think about your meeting with Allah. In one of the recent seminars on Paradise and Hellfire, we spoke about the greatest reward for the people of Jannah, which is to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And one of the brothers or sisters, uh, they've been sharing the reflections, maybe 50, 60 reflections. I, I believe it was one of the brothers who shared this, that his thoughts upon meeting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, this is the Lord, this is my Lord that I've been disobeying. This is my Lord that I've been ignoring and neglecting. This is my Lord that I've been distracted from. He blessed us with all that we have of a dunya. He gave us our lives. He gave us countless blessings. He gave us time in this world. He gave us opportunities to get closer to him. He forgave us so many times we sought forgiveness, and yet we continue to disobey. The reflection on meeting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if you take some time every day to think about it, hopefully will we'll re-motivate us, rededicate us to doing what's right, to pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So during this time, these blessed uh, months and these blessed days, we want to focus on the state of the heart. What is it that you can do to move yourself towards Allah? Take one step, he'll take many towards uh, you. And as you're taking steps towards Allah, don't give up because the shaitan loves, absolutely loves for people to doubt for a moment that they'll be forgiven. Loves for people to give up on seeking uh, nearness to Allah. Loves for people to think, I can't change and I've tried a thousand times, therefore I should just accept that this is who I am. You should always try again. Try again and try harder. Try again and don't give up. Try again and have some sincerity. Remember that your purpose in life will motivate you during these blessed days. And at the end of the day, your entirety of your life really as a Muslim is about not giving up on your journey towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. SubhanAllah, Sheikh Suleiman, I forgot I was doing the podcast for a second. I was just listening and taking uh, heart. Um, may Allah reward you. How can we really utilize? And I'm so glad that you mentioned these points because it's, it's, it's important, especially nowadays we know the struggle, especially for our youth and many folks of constantly being bombarded with this message of, you know, um, messages that are so centered on the self that they remove Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the equation. Um, subhanAllah, even though that the simple breath that we take comes from Allah, the simple, you know, limbs that we have and that we utilize, subhanAllah, um, and just the blessings Allah Azza wa Jal has granted uh, to so uh, many of us, subhanAllah, and provided for us. And we, we, I mean, the blessings of Allah Azza wa Jal, we can't count them. Um, but we constantly live in a fast-paced world and especially surrounded by different ideologies and different sense of um, I guess, how an individual should live their life, subhanAllah. How can, what advice would you give to youth and others to really hold on and really utilize this month um, to hold on tight to the Quran and Sunnah and be comfortable with being strangers uh, in a place where, subhanAllah, if you're wearing the hijab or you're growing out the beard or you're wearing your thobe or taking that time off for prayer, people are looking at it as a strange thing, um, but we're um, doing the best that we can to really remain strong in sense of our faith and be having that sense of pride um, in our in, in our faith and being able to practice it uh, the way that it should be practiced um, in, in, in this environment and in this society. SubhanAllah, before I answer that question, I just wanna comment on something you said at the beginning uh, when you said, uh, without removing Allah from the equation, 
uh, Sheikh Muhammad al-Sharif, may Allah have mercy on him, who passed away recently, used to always say this. Like, yes, you can have fun, enjoy the things that you have, enjoy the blessings of Allah, but keep Allah in the equation. Keep Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the equation, meaning everything is connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at the end of the day. Everything you have, all the blessings that you have, everything you go through, even the emotions that we experience in a way, channel it and reference Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in some way. Connect everything to him at the end of the day. So I really like that you, you uh, mentioned that. Jazakumullah khairan. Uh, in terms of what we can do to hold on, the Prophet ﷺ did tell us, A time will come upon the people in which the one who's patient, holding on, persevering with their religion, meaning practicing Islam uh, with perseverance, with patience, with willpower, with self-discipline, will feel like they are holding on to a hot coal. And with this hadith, there are many lessons and reflections, but especially for uh, young Muslims and older Muslims, frankly, all around the world who feel like they're barely holding on. It is part of the test of life. And nobody really told us, nobody said to you that living in this world, number one, was going to be easy or it was going to be like Jannah. If you're seeking a place of pure perfection, that's what we're working towards, inshallah. The second is that nobody told you that being a Muslim was always going to be easy either. When you, when you submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's an entire package, right? We're not picking and choosing when it's convenient for us to worship and when it's not. When we want to say we're Muslim in public and when we don't. No, it's it's a, an entire package. We submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ya Allah, we don't pick and choose. We enter into submission kafatan completely. And don't fall for the, the, the gradual tricks of shaitan slowly misleading people, slowly making people think in different ways, slowly causing people to be pessimistic about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or about practicing Islam or about doubts that arise or about temptations and distractions. May Allah protect us all and our communities all around the world. Uh, one of the, the greatest things we can do is to emphasize that it is by Allah's mercy that we hold on tight. It is by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's grace that we hold on. But we must be putting in our greatest effort. And sometimes people become very pessimistic and they say, everything today is haram, haram is everywhere, it's so difficult to be Muslim, and that's all they talk about. There's no balance in their talks, and you, they, they forget at times that when things are more difficult, and the test is greater, then the reward for holding on is also much greater. And that's what we should be emphasizing, the motivation to hold on, the motivation to stay strong. Why? Here's one example, and for me, this ayah, this ayah really summarizes all of it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in Surah Fussilat, uh, this is the story in the context, verily those who say Allah is our Lord and then they hold on, they remain firm. They hold on firm. They're very firm, meaning what? It's not that they didn't make mistakes. It's not that they did not find uh, Islam to be difficult in a place of distractions or temptations islamophobia bigotry they remain firm even though it was not always easy and that was their way of life what happens to them at the end of their lives what happens to them when they're returning to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says tatanazzalu alayhim al-malaikatu alla takhafu wa la tahzanu wa abshiru bil jannah the angels come to them as their souls are leaving their bodies. Can you imagine this feeling of holding on for so many years and feeling the, the, the weight 
of it all like a burning coal. But you held on to your shahada, you held on to la ilaha illallah, you lived upon it, you were proud to be Muslim wherever you were, and you died in that state, your soul was leaving your body, and the angels of mercy started to welcome you. You know how the people who are alive, who survive you, are afraid, are sad at the departure. They're not sad because they're worried about where you ended up, they're sad because you departed. However, the one who is dying and now experiencing the, the transition from al-dunya to al-barzakh to the next life, that person is not afraid. That believer is in a good place. The angels come to them, have no fear and do not be sad. The place you're going to is not a place of sadness for you or a place of fear for you because you held on tight, because you were steadfast, because you were practicing Muslim, because you did not give up when it was so much easier in your mind, it seemed easier to give up. You held on and you died in that state, so welcome. And not only are you going to be in a good place, have the glad tidings of the Jannah that you were promised before. You're taken care of, you're all set. Your trials are over, moving on, it's going to get easier for that believer. However, istiqama is not always easy. What helps us is to have good friends. What helps us to have good organizations that we're constantly uh, surrounded with and engaging with, that we are active with, that we are volunteering with our brothers and our sisters uh, for different causes. What helps is if we are always remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that we're connected to the Quran. Wallahi, if we just hold on to the Quran, we'll find within it all the cures, all the healing that we need. Shifa'un lima fi salur. Allah says it is a healing for what is in the hearts. But sometimes we abandon the medicine, we abandon the healing, we abandon the solution, we abandon the cure. And we, we look around and we say, what's the solution to all of my problems? I have so many issues. Your solution is to, to turn back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Connect to the Quran on a daily basis. Join a Quran halaqa. Join a Quran program. Watch uh, a series with uh, the breakdown of the tafsir of the Quran. Make sure your, your companions, your friends, the ones that you choose, are friends that actually will advise you when you're making mistakes. They won't encourage you and support something evil, something displeasing to Allah. For otherwise, that's not really a true friend. You don't want to be standing on the day of judgment saying, I wish I had better friends. I wish I didn't take that brother or that sister as a friend because they took me astray. No, you want to have good friends that remind you, that help you. You can have fun, you can click, you can chill, you can laugh, you can do all of that. But at the end of the day, that the, the friendship itself uh, is, is set upon a foundation of love for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In addition to this, of course, uh, it would help us in terms of istiqama to seek knowledge, beneficial knowledge. Today, we are bombarded with information, but a lot of it is called, it's referenced as intellectual junk. We're bombarded with information. And the more you are connected to different social media platforms, the more you are, bombard, you are bombarded with random information. It's not very helpful or healthy mentally, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually to mindlessly scroll through social media apps. And I know what I'm saying is kind of blunt and frank, but we're talking here about healing and getting closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's not very helpful and it's not beneficial for us. Again, even at a worldly level, uh, Umar al-Khattab saw some people wasting time. And he said, I don't like for you to waste time not doing anything even for a dunya or for the akhirah. Like do something beneficial. Be passionate, be eager with the limited time that you have towards the things that benefit you. There are a lot of people who are given a diagnosis that they have six months to live, three months to live, and suddenly their lives changed. Suddenly their time was so productive. There was a brother in our community years back. He was given a diagnosis of six months. And this was uh, maybe six years ago. And he started to live upon the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. When you stand to pray, uh, pray, pray the prayer of the one who's bidding farewell. Meaning, this is my last salah. 
If you really thought, even though you weren't given a diagnosis, may Allah protect us all and grant us afia in our health and long, righteous, healthy lives, but we already have a diagnosis. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala already told us we're going to depart. And that departure could be at any time. So if you're given this diagnosis, are you waiting for a physical diagnosis from a physician, from somebody else to tell you're going to leave? Or do you believe, do you trust the promise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we might all depart at any moment in this world and that when that time comes, Allah will not delay it. There won't be an extension for it. So take advantage today. Take advantage. Push yourself to read more Quran, to connect with communities, to connect with family, to seek beneficial knowledge. Knowledge will liberate you. Knowledge will help you like nothing else. And it's the thing that gives people confidence to hold on when everyone around them is looking at them oddly. Like, why are you doing this weird thing? Why are you practicing this religion? Why are you wearing hijab? Why are you doing that? They may even not ask why. They may be insulting you and speaking on your behalf inaccurately, but you know why. And because you know why you feel liberated, you're not worried about the, the validation that so many people are seeking from human beings because your validation, your self-worth comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us steadfastness. Ya muqallib al-qulub, thabbit quluban ala deenik. Ameen, ameen. Jazakumullah khairan, Sheikh Suleyman. And these are amazing suggestions. Um, one thing I will add to is um, really by mentioning um, mass special Muharram revive pack. Like I said, there's a lot of information out there. Uh, this is also a perfect toolkit that can help you or your halaqa group learn about all things related to this sacred month. It also features a helpful guide on how to come up with new year resolutions, um, take into account some of the tips that you mentioned and tips on how to actually achieve their goals so you don't waste time, right? So I hope folks check it out on our website at muslimamericansociety.org. Uh, I want to move on to one of the most important days in Muharram that you mentioned earlier, so the folks can have a little bit of a better understanding, and that's this Ashura, the 10th day. And it's the day that, you, um, like you said, um, Prophet Musa salam, and his people were liberated from Pharaoh's grasp. Um, can you set the scene for us? Descri and the Quran describes it in a beautiful and epic way. But what, are you, what do you think are some of the lessons that we can um, learn from that specifically, especially as it relates to an important kind of like a historical um, event. Uh, of course, you know, it's, 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 it's all about uh, uh, really understanding what lessons can be learned from that so we are able to apply it in our lives. But what are some of the lessons that we can learn from that moment? First and foremost, we can say uh, the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saved Nuh alayhi salam and saved Musa alayhi salam as well uh, reminds us of the, the victory of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the support of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That support comes in different forms and at different times in a way that uh, it really uh, it, it's based on the wisdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One thing we can take from this is that Musa alayhi salam did all that he was commanded to do, even though it was very difficult. He was going to face the most evil ruler in history. He was going to face uh, an army of people. And as they're obviously surrounded and they're at the sea, the Red Sea, the fact that we experience and we, we read about the splitting of the sea, a miracle we could not experience, but those who experienced it, who were evil and chasing the believers to kill them, look at the state of arrogance in their hearts, that they were willing to continue when they saw the sea split. They could have stopped and said, this is a clear enough message from God. Like we're, we should not be chasing these people. We should be submitting. They were so arrogant, their hearts were blinded and they chased Musa salam and the believers. And as we know, Musa salam and his followers were saved and the, the waves came down crashing, uh, drowning uh, Fir'aun and his army. The reason I mentioned that vantage point first 
is there really is always this contrast between humility and arrogance, between the rights of Allah and violating the rights of Allah, between good and evil and morality and immorality and everything else that people are talking about these days. And the followers of Musa السلام, had to have trust in Allah. They had to have humility. They had seemingly no way out. But you don't have to try to figure out from where will the nasr, will the victory of Allah, the support of Allah come. Rather, you have to do your part. They did their part, right? They followed the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the followers were following Prophet Musa السلام, He followed the commands of Allah and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took care of them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us a command and a lesson that we can take that wallahi, if every Muslim in the world were to act upon this, the world would be a very different place. Ya amanu, in wa yuthabbit akhdamakum. Oh, you who believe, if you give victory to the religion of Allah, to the rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this world, Allah will give you victory and he will keep you firm. He will help you remain firm when things get difficult, like the difficulty of the followers of Musa salam, like the difficulty of Nuh salam, who gave da'wah for 950 years and had just a few followers. And we take from this that during the days of Eid, you know, we make a lot of takbirat. We emphasize Allahu Akbar. And during these uh, sacred months, we're emphasizing the glory of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Throughout the year, we're emphasizing Allahu Akbar, but we don't always live upon it. As Muslims, we know Allahu Akbar. We say it in the billions every day around the world in prayer in Adhan and Iqam and everywhere else, but we don't always live upon it. Allahu Akbar is not just for you to be a proud Muslim in public. It's, a, it's one part of it. Allahu Akbar, yes, is for you to be confident as a Muslim, for you to try your best. Allahu Akbar is for you to not give up. Allahu Akbar is for you if you committed a sin and you fell short, not to think that the devil has won the battle. Rather, Allah gave you the avenue of tawbah, repentance, which means you can always win the battle if you go back to him, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also teaches us uh, about Allahu Akbar in different forms, that it's through your character. When you say Allah is greater, it means greater than my nafs, my ego. So the way you treat your family behind closed doors shows how much you really give support, victory to the religion of Allah. If you think victory to the religion of Allah is for the Muslims to sit back and criticize what's happening in the world or criticize other Muslims or criticize the ummah and then not take action just with their own family to unite the hearts within their own homes, then how do you expect to unite the, the, the hearts of 2 billion Muslims in the world? We need to start with ourselves in terms of Allahu Akbar as we're working towards global change, as we're working towards improving the state of the world, as we're working towards restoring justice and peace all across the world, because at the end of the day, that's what we want. Uh, we learn from this as well, in addition to giving uh, victory to the religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and taking action. Remember here at the beginning of the ayahs, you take action and then Allah will bless you with uh, support. We learn from this trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We're living in a times in which we've all experienced the same exact hardship affecting the entire world, the pandemic. And with it, the change of the entire world, something so seemingly small and insignificant, really being much more significant than uh, people assumed, changing the state of the world. And it was very fast, it was very rapid. I mean, we're now in our third year of COVID and we're talking about COVID-19 in 2022, subhanAllah. It should humble us. It should make us put our trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Musa السلام, had to have trust in Allah. He knew who Allah was. Do you know when you have trust in Allah, it's when you know who your Lord is. When you know who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, when you know what he's capable of, when you know and understand that he is the all-wise, when you understand that he is 
planning for you better than you planned for yourself, but not in the way that you will plan, not in the way that you think is best. You might love something, it's bad for you. You might hate something, but it's good for you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Wallahu ya'lamu antum la ta'lamun. Whoever puts their trust in Allah, Allah will suffice you. Allah will take care of you. And it is difficult at times to go through the motions of life with all the difficulties of a dunya and of course all the blessings that people have and not have trust in Allah. They become so much more difficult not to have trust in Allah. Mentally and emotionally, it's so difficult to go through life and not know that you can trust Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And for our brothers and sisters, we can give this example that I've heard given many times in different places. If the Prophet Muhammad was with you today and he told you, let's go somewhere, I'm going to take you somewhere. And he did not tell you where. Would you doubt for a moment? Would you wonder, is he going to harm me? Is he going to take me somewhere dangerous? No, you wouldn't. Why? Because you trust the Prophet and you know who he is. Do you know who Allah is? One of the, the problems that we have in our times is that people are not turning back to Allah enough or are not uh, worshiping properly because they have the wrong notion, the wrong concept of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They're taking it from uh, Christianity, from uh, atheists, from secular people, from others, and it's the wrong notion of God. They start to assume negatively of Allah. They start to think negatively about life and qadr and rizq and everything else. They start to complain more rather than be grateful more, and they start to be uh, very pessimistic. Everything is toxic. Everything is pessimistic. It's all about suffering. It's all about nihilism. It's all meaningless. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us hope. He gives us optimism. He gives us value. He gives us status. He gives us honor. He gives us a way out of every situation, but we have to do our part. So one of the lessons we take from the story of Musa السلام, and Nuh السلام, uh, generally with Muharram and as we uh, fast the ninth and the 10th and we take advantage of these days, put your trust in Allah, especially in times like this, especially in times like this. And anytime something happens, the first thought should be, how does this bring me closer to Allah? What should I be doing right now? Rather than uh, feeling like you know exactly why this happened, turn to Allah in that moment. Turn to Allah with inna lillah wa inna ilayhi raja'un. Turn to Allah with qaddar Allah masha'afa'al. Turn to Allah with alhamdulillah ala kulli hal. Because all of these reactions show uh, what's happening. Internally. They reflect that this person really is trying to connect to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They're trusting in him even when things don't go our way. That's one of the most important lessons of this time. And of course, the, the last lesson uh, with this is that the heart, uh, if it's pure, everything else will be purified of actions. If it's corrupt, everything will be corrupted externally. And we learn from the stories of the righteous who follow the prophets, even though society was for the majority against them and they were the minority, their hearts were pure. So that was sufficient for them to see the truth and to follow it. So make sure you are protecting your spiritual heart. Make sure you protect it from watching and listening to and consuming anything that will harm it. Because at the end of the day, your heart will keep you close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, connected to Allah, even when everything around us is difficult and disconnected. May Allah protect us and purify our hearts. Allahumma ameen. Ameen. Jazakumullah khairan, Sheikh Suleiman. And that's a beautiful way to start uh, ending the uh, podcast for us. Is there a specific dua? Um, whether from our uh, dear beloved Prophet Muhammad والسلام, or Prophet Musa um, or anyone or in the Quran and in, in, in the surah that, that we were taught that you consider to be your favorite or that you would like to um, uh, just remind folks to, to, to also remember this specific dua. That's a great question. Uh, I'll actually, if I can, I'll answer it with two. One is very short and it's very simple. Allahumma aslih qalbi. This is not something that 
is reported anywhere specific, but there is a report about Allah purify my heart and my actions. I love this one because it, it basically focuses on the root of all issues. If the heart is pure, everything else becomes purified. And my second, uh, the second one that I'll mention here that I really like and I emphasize uh, often, Allahumma inna nas'aluka min al-khayri kullihi. Oh Allah, we ask you for all that is good. The good now and the good later. The good that we recognize and the good that we don't even recognize. It might be something you don't recognize. You say, I don't like this thing, but it's good for you. We're asking for everything that is good in a very comprehensive way. We ask you to protect us from everything that is evil. Now and later, the evil that we recognize and the evil that we don't recognize. It's a very powerful, comprehensive dua that we should be making all the time. And it includes everything that you want of a dunya and al-akhir. There's just so much history um, uh, for us to really reflect on, as you said, from the story of Musa alayhi our dear beloved Prophet teaching us to um, uh, fast that day to commemorate uh, that historical moment. Also, you mentioned earlier um, that SubhanAllah Muharram was already sacred even um, before uh, the killing of the, the beloved grandson of the Prophet May Allah always allow us to stand up against injustice and advocate for what's right. And this is really an opportunity uh, for folks to um, really think about what you know, new the new year brings with it the new beginnings and being able to kind of start off the on the right foot and so in, in regards to the um, Muslim calendar and being able to be closer to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Jazakumullah khairan again for joining us, Sheikh Suleiman. Before we end, if you can please let our audience know how they can follow you, inshallah, to be able to learn from you um, and benefit from you. Um, but it's it's certainly been an honor uh, to have you. You've certainly given us a wealth of knowledge in this short time about the sacred month of Muharram uh, and what folks are able to do to get closer to Allah Azza wa Jal and some suggestions. Uh, and we definitely have a newfound appreciation for it. And SubhanAllah, but where can the folks follow you? Barakallahu feekum. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from you all and bless mass and all of those who are working for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and all the volunteers and all the staff and all the students around the world, Allahumma ameen. Uh, I'm on uh, some of the social media platforms on Instagram and Facebook. If anybody wants, uh, we can connect there, inshallah ta'ala, Suleiman Hani. Uh, I'm very active with uh, Al-Maghrib Institute, and we have a couple new series and classes coming out, inshallah ta'ala, so follow us there, as well as, uh, inshallah ta'ala, hopefully, uh, a few uh, potential series with Yaqeen Institute later this year, bi'ithnillah ta'ala. And, of course, uh, in the masajid locally here in Michigan, uh, for anyone who is visiting, inshallah, we have amazing food and a lot of masajids are always welcome to visit us inshallah ta'ala jazakumullah khairan barakallahu feekum jazakumullah khairan subhanallah may Allah bless you and thank you all for tuning in the legacy of prophet musa alayhi salam is an absolute inspiration for was an absolute inspiration for the early muslim um, the early muslims as it is for us today uh, once again thank you for joining us and may this new year be the beginning of wonderful and blessings for you assalamu alaikum